Good afternoon. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. Happy August 12th. We are one week into the Rio Olympics. That is not what we're talking about today, but uh, there's even bigger news happening in the travel world right now, and I'm very happy to have two excellent traveler colleagues with me today. We have Catherine LeGrave, associate web editor, and we have Barbara Peterson, our senior aviation correspondent, Skyping in. So we are talking today about something that may have affected you if you fly Delta, the computer outage that grounded thousands of flights on Monday. We had a number of colleagues who were trying to travel, coming back to work, and even they got caught in the mess. So Barbara, you wrote a couple pieces for us this week. I'd love to just kind of turn this over to you. How can something like this happen in this day and age? Yeah, well, that's what a lot of travelers and, and just consumers in general are asking. I mean, in this day and age, and you know, 21st century, everybody's wired all the time. You know to back up everything. How could this possibly happen? But it has happened before, and it will likely continue to happen is, is kind of the easy but not very satisfying answer. Just three weeks ago, Southwest Airlines, you know, one of the largest airlines in the country, they had a glitch, a router apparently blew, and and then suddenly their system was way down. They canceled more than 2,000 flights over a period of a couple of days. And, you know, in this case, what we're talking about today is Delta. And again, it Early Monday morning, people started trying to check in and arrived at the airports in places like Europe where they had already gotten up. Nothing was moving. And again, it was one piece of equipment that failed that set off this chain reaction. Uh, so, so was it just like a computer somewhere in Atlanta that just blew up? Like, how did this actually play out? Well... The problem was it took a few days even to get minimal detail about what had happened. Apparently, as they said today, four days after, there was a fire, sort of a small fire, it may have been an electrical fire, that apparently caused the transformer that supplies the power to the data center to basically blow. You know, it just blew out data center, which... I wasn't even sure what that was until recently. It is the brain of the organization. It is the nerve center of the airline. You know, so a lot of things could not happen when that is offline. For example, you can't check in people for flights. You know, they come to the airport, you can't use the kiosk, you can't be checked in by even a human being, you know, manning the counter because the computers weren't working. Flights couldn't be dispatched because flight plans are filed through the system. So airplanes really couldn't be boarded and they couldn't take off. I mean, technically, yes, they could have taken off because as a lot of people started to get more than just frustrated, they were concerned about safety, but it, it, it had nothing to do with safety. I mean, the, the safety of the aircraft is controlled. You know, it's, it's an air traffic control computer. It's the FAA, it has nothing to do with the airline. So in theory, you could have checked in people manually like they did in the pre-computer era, you know, had, had a printed manifest of, of names and gotten everybody on the plane. But you can't do that anymore because post 9-11, you have this thing called no-fly lists in the TSA and everything has to go through that before you can get people on a plane. So in this funny sense, you know, we can't go back to the old days, even if we wanted to. So that was no longer an option. And literally they had no backup. I mean, people, people, I mean, Delta claims they had a backup system, but they can't really explain why it didn't fully kick in. But frankly, a backup that doesn't work in this contingency is, is really useless. So it's not a backup. 
we also saw these crazy photos online too of people taking pictures of Delta signage around the U.S. and there were just like basically notebook paper pages ripped out and they had written the departure time on that notebook paper and stuck it on these high-tech you know monitors and I think a lot of people are really frustrated. Um, is this something we should expect? I mean, we've heard about this happening with American Airlines, too, in the last year or so. Um, Catherine, do you remember what that deal was? Yeah, so it was a glitch in the iPad. So with Southwest, American, JetBlue, and even Delta, it's all resulting from a few things, I think, right? The dependence on technology that has only grown, and, and that can be a good thing. But when we have problems like this, we look at it and we say, okay, well, there are these computer systems that control everything from checking in to smartphone apps. And when those go down, it completely takes down, you know, whole systems. Another thing is mergers that have happened mm -hmm. in the past few years. And Barbara, you spoke to this in your piece about how the systems have had to be merged as well. And so you've got systems of different ages and they're sort of patched together and not completely new systems that are, that are foolproof. Yes, exactly. I mean, you could almost sort of say it's almost like this sort of jerry-built system that, you know, has been sort of patched over and, and as, as I think one of the guys I could say, it's been spackled over more times than a hillbilly's wall. So I hope we don't get angry comments from hillbillies out there. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, you know, it sounds incredible that they could, you know, be operating this way. But, you know, it's actually not because, it you know, airlines didn't grow organically you know they grew through these big mergers and mergers necessarily involve sort of mashing together some disparate components from each company from what i understand from some of the people who really were following the delta thing very closely for both from inside and out they said what happened was when they merged, you know, you make a decision, okay, are we going to go with this system or not? You know, which contract provisions are we going to go with? You know, and, and that that's a huge issue with the, the labor unions, obviously. I mean, it fixed all areas of the airline's operation. But in terms of technology, in this case, they decided to go with Delta's system. Now, Northwest had a perfectly good system. In fact, Northwest for years was considered to be one of the best airline systems in the country technologically. So their data center was shut down. Now, as I understand it from some people involved at the time, they could have opted to keep it open as effectively the backup. I mean, the backup, and it would have been a really good backup. But companies don't think of these things at the time. They don't think, oh, how likely is this? They're just thinking, okay, we need to save money. This is a redundant operation. We don't need it anymore. So, you know, in hindsight, yeah, maybe if they had done that, they wouldn't have lost whatever. I mean, you know, who knows what the total tab is going to be from this week. It's going to be, you know, tens of millions of dollars. But in the long run, they can probably still look at it and say, well, we save money. So those are the tough calls that airlines have had. And the other thing, in addition to the mergers that, that Catherine mentioned, was the bankruptcies and the huge losses that they posted, you know, ever since 9-11, almost for a 10-year period there. They didn't have money to spend. They didn't buy new aircraft, as we know. I mean, we're we're just now seeing a few of them come online now. But, you know, if you've been flying U.S. airlines in recent years, you've noticed, you know, when you get on a plane, it looks kind of old and kind of a lot of them really look kind of tatty. So we're not aware of what's really going on in these control rooms and the data centers. But I think that's all of those reasons that the airlines were just under so much pressure. And let's face it, most days it works fine. Okay, so you can see why it's an easy thing for them to put off for another day. That 
was what I was going to ask. I mean, like you said, there's probably millions lost this week. And in addition to that, there's the kind of unquantifiable passenger rage that forms from this. I mean, how many people are going to bail on Delta because they got stranded somewhere in Ohio and they couldn't get home to see their kids play basketball, whatever it is, you know? So is this kind of an action call for Delta to update its gear? I mean, like you said, they've been running, well, so many airlines have been running close to bankruptcy domestically for so long, you know, like what are the things they need to do to either make good for their passengers or really make the upgrades that will help them compete with international airlines that, let's be honest, are kind of like blowing them out of the water right now? The first thing people see when they get on a plane is how new is it? You know, they're not as concerned about the computer glitches unless they affect them. That's in my opinion, but it's not so visible. I think the smart thing to do would be to overhaul those systems, and Delta and American have both said that they'll be making multi-billion dollar projects to overhaul them, but again, it's unclear when that will be. So I think we can expect, unfortunately, expect these to keep occurring. As far as what airlines can do to get back in good graces, I'm not sure. If you were grounded that day, what can you expect from Delta? Are they going to cover your flight? Are they going to give you a voucher? Are they giving you a free meal for Auntie Anne's pretzels, basically, and that's it? Good luck. <laughs> basically, yeah, they've, you know, they've offered vouchers. Mm-hmm. They've offered, to, you know, two. What is it? Two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, which seems to be the magic number here. As they point out, that's the equivalent of most of the tickets in one way, at least, that we're, you know, we're talking about here. And then, you know, they're giving refunds, you know, and and some of it will be a judgment call. They're saying it depends on the length of the delay. Delta has been really trying very hard. I have to say they really do stand out among the airlines as working really hard on this side of things. They really want to be known as a well-run airline, a reliable airline. They've brought their numbers up incredibly in recent years. You know, they used to have a big problem with baggage handling and lost a lot of bags and they and they made it a high priority and they invested a lot of money. And that just shows what you can do if you really invest the money and make it, you know, put it on the front burner. But the problem here is there are going to be people who are as very, very angry, really up to them to invest the money to get those people back. Now, I also have to add that in today's airline industry, when you have four airlines that control something like 83% of domestic air travel, you can say, I'll never fly Delta again. But can you really say that? Where are you going to go? I mean, where the other airlines are sort of, you know, it's sort of become this homogenous blend of of large airlines. They're not that different. You know, you can, you can have a computer problem on the other ones that we, as we pointed out earlier, there's a little bit of cynicism that sets in at a certain point, like, well, wait a minute, you know, I mean, you really don't have that many other options. You're, you're really at the mercy, depending on where you live, of probably one huge airline. Right. Mm -hmm. And Catherine, you made a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, what you really see is, is this a new Dreamliner or a new (laughs) Airbus A350? You know, is the lighting kind of purplish blue? Can I push a button to tint the windows now? Like, those are the things that travelers really kind of consume, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know that, like, we're going to know that the computers are upgraded and that won't make us make a different decision when it comes to booking a flight. But there were a lot of angry people out there. And we also ran a piece this week about how to complain effectively <laughs> to a flight attendant or a gate agent. It seemed kind of timely because, I mean, the reaction, you know, especially in the Northeast, is to rage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And what Barbara said is like the reality is you're not even if you complain, you're not going to ha- probably have that many other options as far as airlines. So you're probably going to go back, have to fly Delta again. But you know, delays are a reality. Canceled flights are a reality, regardless of computer meltdown. So what can you do? And this piece really speaks to that. I think it has several good points. So again, as Laura said, this is a piece on our site. We talked to a few flight attendants, and it talked about you know, how you should speak to them, what phrases you should use, and uh, how quick you should be to try and hold their attention, because people's attention span is only 30 seconds. Right. So, you know, your first reaction, I think, when you're delayed or canceled is to be angry, be frustrated. (laughs) And often you take that out on people who didn't cause the cancellation or the delay. And so that's the first point of the piece is really stepping back and saying, okay, you know, I know this isn't your fault. How can you help me? And then being clear about your end goal. And also, you know, act treating other people like humans, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, find out the name of the flight attendant or the gate agent and say like, hi, Joe. Look, I know your day is probably pretty rough too right now, but you know, is there anything you can do to help me right now and just plainly state your case, right? It's just be honest. You don't get emotional about it. I remember uh, our colleague Jaina always used to say, like, you know, just be kind, right? Because no one's going to help someone who's just railing, right? Yeah. Barbara, have you seen any, you know, good responses over your time covering this? Well, I have to say the first day was very frustrating because A lot of people had already checked in, you know, because you can check in 24 hours in advance. They were heading to the airport. They were looking at their smartphones, which the airlines want us to do, right? We've been sort of trained now to do this, you know, to do everything online. And everything was fine according to what you read on your smartphone. So that's where the first pain point happened, I think, is when people got to the airport and just realized it was totally different. They were unprepared for this. The departure boards were still reading everything was leaving on time, and yet the reality was the diametrically opposed to that. And a lot of people have asked, how could that happen, too? Why couldn't you at least send out a text message? I mean, come on, that that couldn't have, everything wasn't down. I mean, a lot of it was. But, you know, frankly, again, it gets back to that thing of being the data center being so omnipotent. You know, I mean, it's literally everything goes through there. And that maybe that's another life lesson that the airlines have to learn too. I mean, I mean, I don't know, you know, they might need to look to other industries that seem to be a lot more nimble in this area to see how they do that, you know, because, you know, I think the communication was just really poor, but that may not have been entirely Delta's fault. And to be fair, I think that by the end of the first day, they really were responding, you know, a lot better. And they really were, you know, they they deployed a huge number of people from their headquarters out to the airport and out in the front lines. And I think they feel they have invested in this idea that they're different from other airlines. At least that's what they would like us to think. So to maintain that, they really are going to have to go bend over backwards to do it, not be your typical unfeeling airline, you know, which is what most people think. And again, I come back to the idea that this is... This, in effect, was really similar to what happens with, you know, huge blizzard that knocks out, say, half the airports in the United States, which has happened, you know, or Hurricane Sandy or whatever, you know, I mean, but of course, those are acts of God. And there's not anything the airlines can do. But interestingly, in those situations, if you read the the social media posts and things like that, people are just as angry at the airline. You know, they're saying things like, why can't you communicate? Why can't you give us an honest answer? You know, why can't we get information? So that's perhaps a separate issue. And you know what? They can't because, frankly, unless they were going to hire like 
triple the number of the employees they have now. I mean, there's no way they'll be able to deploy a huge number of people on such short notice who will be informed and, and who can tell you what's going on. And that's just kind of the, the reality of air travel. You know, it's just kind of uniquely vulnerable to these kinds of disruptions. And the reality of dependence on technology, right? The more right. you funnel everything through technology, the fewer people you need. Right. Well, and I then, get... Yeah, you're I, not prepared. And I think we also forget, you know, how to figure out and problem solve when our tech isn't involved. So in these cases of delays, be it from a summer storm or a computer outage, do you guys have any suggestions for our travelers on, you know, like the first thing they should do? Should you stay by the gate? Should you get on your phone and try to call someone in customer service? What's the best approach? I do both of those things. I stay by the gate. You know, even if they say the flight's delayed or the flight's canceled, I usually stay there, A, because I'm able to sort of see what the gate agents are doing. That sounds totally creepy, but I'm able to see sort (laughs) of their interactions and, you know, you get the updates the fastest. That happened actually the other day when my flight was canceled. I sat there and everybody else disappeared and I happened to be then the first person in line and also was able to hop on the phone at the same time, which I think you should do if you're waiting in line because those lines get long. You know, the minute they announce a cancellation, everybody jumps up and waits in line. It's faster oftentimes to get on the phone. I also check code share partners. I think a lot of people don't think of that. They're asking only, okay, can you get me another Delta flight tonight or tomorrow and not thinking about other partners that you could potentially fly on, right. other, other airports nearby as well. That's a good suggestion. Barbara, do you have any ideas? Yeah, so it's interesting because I was talking to one of our trusted sources, George Hobuka at Airfare Watchdog. He said, you know, they wish they brought back this thing called, it's, it's sort of legendary among frequent flyers, Rule 240. And what that means is in the, quote, old days, airlines would just put you on another airline's flight. They would basically write you what they call endorse your ticket over and you would not be out any money at all. But those types of uh, you know transfers depend on agreements between airlines. And one interesting development got a little bit of attention, but not as much as it should have, is that Delta severed its agreement with American Airlines to do just that only about six months ago. I mean, Delta and American used to have a pact whereby in these kinds of situations, they would accept each other's passengers. But didn't help anybody this week get on American. Now, now, maybe you could have tried to get on an American flight and it would have cost you, you know, a huge amount of money and additional fares. Yeah. So in addition to what Catherine said, which is all great advice, you know, I always try to have a schedule with me. I still like to travel with these little printed schedules and sometimes I'll print them out ahead of time. I want to know what other flights there are on other airlines if something goes wrong. Also, you know, I do sometimes use a travel agent, especially if it's a trip where I have to be somewhere, because that gives you another option for someone to call, and they all have 24-hour help desks. I had some friends who were trying to get through to Delta, and the lines were so overwhelmed that they were getting this message saying, well, you can leave your number, but we can't guarantee we'll get back to you for another 12 hours. You know, so that's how backed up they were. Yeah, so it's, you know, one airline again, you know, they've, they've, one of the things they did when they went through that terrible period of, of losses and bankruptcies is they cut their customer service staff to the bone. And, you know, with everything getting automated, they thought, well, we can get rid of a lot of those, you know, human reservation agents because, you know, a lot of them, frankly, don't have a lot to do most of the time. Well, yeah, but then, you know, in a case like this, it's, they're really going to be shorthanded. And we also always say, don't be afraid of going on Twitter. 
I think we've written multiple stories about this, but people have had some pretty great success just kind of, sadly, um, just airing their grievances out online and they get answers really quickly because that kind of public humiliation is very motivating. But I also wonder, like, what does this mean for uh, the state of travel agents too? I mean, is this making a case to maybe work with travel agents in the future? Because can they be backup for you in these scenarios. I know my mother-in-law is an agent and this is often what she's doing. She's helping people do crisis management. If they get stuck at an airport or they have a problem with their hotel and they're abroad, she is the first one trying to make a fix for them instead of being stuck on the phone on hold for two and a half hours, which Mm -hmm. is something I've done before, sadly. I had a situation once where the travel agent literally saved me. I mean, I was at JFK Airport just as a huge thunderstorm hit, and every airline started canceling right and left. And my flight was canceled. I went to other, but you know, I, I could have just gone from terminal to terminal, checking out which airlines are operating. That obviously would not have been a very uh, good way to go about that. But instead, I called a travel agent and got through very quickly. And you know, ultimately, I got out on one of the last flights to leave JFK before they just completely shut the airport down. I mean, it was just, you know, midsummer kind of storm situation where they really can't operate. That's that's another one where they're, you know, you can't really blame the airline too much for that. It's safety, but at least one flight did get out. So I think travel agents are great, but you know, you do have to pay for them. You have to pay a fee because they are on a fee basis for the most part now, unless your company is picking up the tab. So I would, again, it's, it's just one thing to think about, especially if it's like, say, going on a cruise or something. And, you know, if you don't make your, your sailing, you're, you're kind of out of luck. Right. And it's so easy to book everything online these days. I think we would quickly say, like, why would I book a flight with a travel agent? They're just going to use Kayak as well, aren't they? But what they do do is they kind of have a quick direct line to those airlines as well. And, you know, I'm starting to consider whether it's worth doing that for longer, more complicated trips, maybe not the weekend getaway to, you know, Miami, but for a two-week trip across Europe, yeah, why not? Yeah, I can see the value in that. Everything depends on sort of those flights. Right. And as we're talking, this ridiculous storm is rolling in right now. So I think we may call it a day in a minute. Before we go, I would just love to say thank you, Catherine and Barbara. If you don't mind giving us your social media handles so people can find you online. I'm on Twitter at KJ LaGrave, L-A-G-R-A-V-E. And I'm on Twitter as at Peterson B. Great. And I'm Laura Redman. I'm the Deputy Digital Director of Traveler. I'm at Laura underscore Redman on Instagram. And you can also find Traveler all over the interweb. We are on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us at cntraveler.com. And this podcast is on iTunes and SoundCloud. So please follow us and check back every Friday for a new edition. Until then, stay out of these storms and have a good weekend. Thanks. Thanks.